0: Okay, so we want to tell everybody Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, stepmothers, spiritual mothers, and foster mothers and grandmothers. We want to wish everybody Happy Mother's Day. It's a special day. It's a special, special day. So I'm going to uh, give you a little bit of Mother's Day trivia. Mother's Day became an official U.S. holiday in 1914. Uh, Ann Jarvis, the woman who fought for this special holiday, conceived of Mother's Day as a way for uh, honoring the sacrifices mothers made for their children. Her desire was on that day for mothers to wear a white carnation and to go to church with their families. That's what she wanted for Mother's Day. And actually, her mother had done a lot to honor mothers. Uh, she had uh had special days and special things for mothers, so her mother before her honored mothers <coughs> and this a woman ann Jarvis i mean she worked really hard to get this day recognized and and she worked in Congress and everything to get this day recognized and so this day was recognized as a national holiday and then after the day was recognized as a national holiday uh she um spent the latter part of her life trying to get it unrecognized and get it off of the calendar because it had turned into something she did not want. She didn't want it to become commercialized. She didn't want it to become something that people spent a whole lot of money on and uh, that people made a whole lot of money on. So it was kind of interesting that uh, she worked so hard to get mothers recognized and to treat, be treated uh, special for all that they had done But then she, it became something she didn't want. (laughs) So I thought that was really interesting. So today I'm going to talk about mothers. Being a mother is one of the most wonderful, fulfilling, happy, and joyous things that can happen to a woman. But it can also be one of the most painful, difficult, heart-wrenching, and exhausting things on the face of the earth. And I think fathers could probably say the same thing also about being a father. Um, a, a woman who's a mother uh, texted me this morning, and she said, it's the hardest job we love the most, <laughs> which is really true. When I was growing up, as a lot of kids do, we have these things that we think that aren't really true. When I was growing up, I thought that if you were a good mother, you would have good kids. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and if you were a bad mother, you would have bad kids or troubled kids. Now, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I saw kids that acted up, I thought, well, it's their parents' fault. It's because they don't have good parents. It's because their parents didn't do what was right. And when I acted up as a teenager, I acted up because my parents weren't good, right? Right? <laughs> It was their fault. It wasn't my fault. It was their fault because they weren't good parents. And I've heard other people say about rebellious kids, if their parents only did what was right or if they did this or that different or if they did something different with their kids, their kids would be different and their kids would come in line. Have you ever heard that or said that? Oh, yeah. I uh, saw perfect families when I was growing up, and I thought, how wonderful that would be to have a perfect mom and a perfect dad. Oh, I just thought that would be so wonderful because I certainly didn't have either one. Um, But as I became an adult, I entered into the real world. (laughs) I got a dose of reality, and over the decades of my life, I have seen countless families with really, really, really good moms and really, really, really good dads. Um, And I've seen many of those families with one or more of those kids struggle in one or more areas of their life, struggle with um, rebellion, mental illness, bad friends, drugs, alcohol, Premarital sex, or with their relationship with God, which is the foundation of everything. They have really, really good parents, but for some reason, you know, even though their parents brought them up the best they could, they struggle in some areas of their life. You know, mothers dream that their kids will grow up and be like the kids in Proverbs 31. We'll look at that verse. Proverbs 31, verse 28. Proverbs 31, verse 28, it says, Her children will arise and call her blessed. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every child arose and called their mother blessed? That's what all mothers dream of. Her children will arise and call her blessed. But instead, instead many mothers uh, uh, arise and find out that they have an adult child or a teen child who is not talking to them, or ignores them, or is talking bad about them. How many people know that that's true? <laughs> that happens. That pain and despair can cause a mom or a dad, it can just be overwhelming. It can be heart-wrenching. It can just be devastating. And that mom or dad might say, how could this happen? I tried my best to do everything right. We did everything as best we knew we could do. We had a loving home. We prayed for our kids. We taught them the Word of God. We brought them to church. They had good friends. They had a good education. They were involved in activities and sports. And on this Mother's Day, day, today, I'd like to talk about, um, I'd like to talk about this and how, how this happens so often. And how this is something that almost everybody has to deal with. And maybe not in your family, but you know somebody, you have a friend or a relative, somebody in your family that has to deal with this heartbreak and how we can deal with it and how we can get through it and how we can survive because it can, it can be, it can be just a crushing thing because children are so dear to us and so important to us. So I'm going to talk about mothers, but this applies to fathers too. And I'd just like to, i just like to share some things that can help us from becoming so discouraged. Uh, because we can get really discouraged with our children. <laughs> they can, it, it, because they're so important to us. So with our children, even though they can be teenagers and adults, we can still be an instrument of change in their life. Even though they can be troubled or doing things that are really, really wrong, we can be an instrument of change. And um, dealing with these problems can take every spiritual force that we can muster because we can be so hurt and so devastated. We need the fruit of the Spirit. We need love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you've ever dealt with a child that's gone astray, you know you need all those things working in your life. You need all the tools in your toolbox that God's given you to make this work with your kids. You need to operate with tact and wisdom, and you need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you this morning. I want to share a few points with you. The first one is, number one, no mothers are perfect. Amen. (laughs) No mothers are perfect. There is no perfect family. There is no perfect family. I had to learn this. You know, I wanted to be perfect, and I thought I thought there were some perfect mothers out there. I really did, and I, I really tried to be perfect. And don't compare yourself with other mothers or other parents. Don't compare yourself. Now, have you ever compared? Have you ever seen a perfect family? Perfect mother, have you ever thought you saw one? Yes. Oh, yeah <laughs> When I was growing up, there was one family I thought was perfect, and I thought it would be nice to be belong to that family. In fact, that family wanted to adopt me because my family was so imperfect, and I thought that was really would really be nice. But I found out forty years later, forty years later that that family was really not perfect. I found out, just an example, that when I left that house, left from playing in that house, that they had to put all the toys, the children had to put all the toys back in the boxes and put them in the closet. So I just want you to know that there are no perfect mothers, and the mothers that look perfect on the outside probably aren't, okay? So there are no perfect mothers, okay? In fact, the mothers, I found that the mothers that look imperfect and the most imperfect are probably the easiest to get along with and the the happiest to be around. So don't try to be perfect and don't try to be like that perfect mother and don't feel uncomfortable that you're not like that perfect mother because that perfect mother probably isn't really very good, okay? So don't feel like you have to be perfect another family uh that i thought was perfect i mean i mean you don't i tv perfect i mean i mean just absolutely perfect i mean everybody in that family was perfect but once you got into it it it's like the whole family was a cesspool so you don't you don't know what you're looking at when you're looking at somebody they, they can appear one way and you might be jealous or, or think, how in the world can they do that? But it's not really real. Okay, so don't compare yourself and don't think that you're substandard because somebody acts or looks better than you. Another family, they just they were so affluent and so well put together and looked so perfect. The mother just had everything just perfect. She dressed perfect. She looked perfect. She was affluent. But the household was a mess and you didn't know it. The mother was into pornography. The father was into pornography. They had mental illness in their family. So the reason I shared those things is that there is no mother that is perfect. And the mothers that look like they're perfect probably aren't. So I said that so you don't Compare yourself to other mothers, okay? Just relax. Take a deep breath. I don't need to be perfect. I don't need to look be like other mothers, okay? The Bible families had all kinds of problems. If you read the Bible, they had all kinds of problems. Bible families had all kinds of problems, including the most important family, the family of God. Okay? And this one thing has helped me more than anything else in my life in family relationships. God's family. God is the Heavenly Father. He is the perfect Father. No one could be better. No one could be more perfect. He's done everything right. He's done everything perfect. He's perfect love. He said everything at the right time. He's done everything at the right time. He's perfect. And look at his children. So if he can be so perfect and his children be messed up, we as human beings, in our humanity, even doing the best we can, we can have children that mess up. And it's not going to end the world. It's not going to be the end of the world, okay? (laughs) Okay, that was number one. (laughs) Number two, when a child strays, it's not always Moms are the parents' fault. It kind of goes with the first one, but this is number two. It's not always your fault, okay? It's not always your fault. And I know as a mother, you always think it's your fault. It's always the mother's fault. You always feel like it's your fault. When your child, what your child decides to do with their life is their decision and their responsibility. And as a mother, that's really, really, really hard to accept but it is the truth. It's their decision and their responsibility. Um, Children, when I'm talking about children, I'm not talking about an eight-year-old. I'm talking about a 15-year-old, an 18-year-old, 27-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 50-year-old. They're making their own decisions. Um, we see over and over and over again in the Old Testament, in the record of the kings, we see a good king who honored God. He, he uh, did what was right before the Lord. He, I mean, he did things that were right. He wasn't perfect. He did things that were right. And then his son was an evil king. And then the son after that was an evil king. And then the the son after that was a good king. And then he might have had a son that was a good king. And then the next son. So we see that you can be a wonderful parent, and your son or your daughter might make a decision that's not good and not not following your steps, or you might be a rotten parent, and your child might be a good, just a glowing example of everything. And you see you see in families you know, you see a family that maybe has four kids, and three kids follow the Lord, and one kid, you know, kind of struggles in a lot of things. And you can see that it can't be all the parent's fault if some of the kids follow the Lord and one, maybe one doesn't, because they grew up in the same household. It's because that child made decisions, made decisions. So I want you to just Not be so discouraged if you have a child that's not following the Lord that it's not all your fault. So we're going to look at a a king named Manasseh. It's in 2 Chronicles 33. 2 Chronicles 33, verse 1. And his father was King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was a very good king. He honored the Lord. He loved the Lord. He tore down all kinds of idols, and he, he worshiped the Lord. He, uh, he followed the, the word of the Lord. He, he uh, had the, the book of the law uh, read. And so he was a very, very good king. He wasn't perfect, but he was a very good king. So this starts out when King Hezekiah died. 2 uh, Chronicles 33.1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He rebuilt, see his father tore him down, he rebuilt the pagan shrines his father Hezekiah had broken down. He constructed altars for the images of Baal and set up Asherah poles, He also bowed bowed before all the powers of the heavens and worshiped them. See, that's not good. Manasseh has a reputation of being one of the most evil kings that has ever lived, ever. Ever lived on the face of the earth. So his father was good and he was bad. Can you see that it's not always the parent's fault what the child is? But I'm going to read on. I want to show you that there is hope. Because your child makes bad decisions, it's not the end of the world. Let's go to verse 10. The Lord, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they ignored all his warnings. So the Lord, you can can pray and trust and believe that the Lord will be speaking to your children. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they ignored all his warnings. See, I believe that if we pray and trust and ask the Lord, he will be speaking to our children. And right here we see that that Manasseh ignored it. How many times do we know that our children have ignored what the Lord has said? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So let's keep reading. So the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian armies, and they took Manasseh prisoner. They put a ring through his nose, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. But while in deep distress, Manasseh sought the Lord his God and sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom, then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Now, just think about one of your children, one of your relative's children, one of your friend's children. You know, maybe, they, maybe they've just hit rock bottom. Maybe they're, maybe they're in jail. Maybe they're, they're a, a heroin addict. You know, I have a relative who, who has a child that's a heroin addict. You know, they hit rock bottom. And, you know, just naturally you just think, well, you know, well, that's that, you know, but it's not. That's not the end of the road. It's not the end of the road. The Lord, if we're praying, the Lord promises that he will draw them, that he will speak to them. And we need to depend upon that. We need to rely upon that, that the Lord is working. The Lord is working. And we have to understand no matter... (laughs) How horrible it is and how distressing it is to a parent. Sometimes our children have to go through just really bad situations in their rebellion to get to a place where they will turn around. And we don't like it. Parents do not like it. And sometimes we can even get in the way of God. We try to fix things or rescue them or, you know, make it better, you know, when the Lord is trying to work, you know. Because mommies like to make things better, don't we? (laughs) But sometimes the Lord is putting them in a bad situation, so they will turn around. But I want you to get out of this that, you know, sometimes our kids make really bad decisions. They put themselves in really bad situations. But the Lord, if they'll turn to the Lord, the Lord will rescue them. And the Lord is drawing them. If we're praying, the Lord is drawing them. And that's really awesome. The third thing is that we always need to remember to look at the big picture. We, uh, look at what's going on right now. You know, oh, my child's doing this, my kid's doing this, you know, you know, we look at right, what's happening right now. And, uh, like, let's just think about, you know, high school. You know, oh, my child got a D, you know, (laughs) my child got a C, or my child got an F. But if we look at the big picture, probably when they're 25, it doesn't really mean anything that they got a C or a D or an F, you know, in in history or psychology, you know, that'll be so long forgotten. But, you know, in, in these things, um, we need to look at the big picture. And God, a lot of times, thinks in years, you know, and we, there's no way we think of that. We want something to happen by, by one o'clock. You know, we want our dear loved one, our dear son or daughter to be, you know, everything going right and be all lovey-dovey and everything, you know, them serving the Lord and them on the right path by one o'clock today. And, you know, things, it might be 10 years. It might be 20 years. And we just, oh, we just can't hardly deal with that. But we need to a lot of times look at the big picture. And it may take years for your child to sort their life out. And we can't, we can't fathom that, but when that time passes and we get on the other side of it, we can see God has been working. God works through it. It, it really did work out the way that God wanted it to work. And that takes faith. That requires faith. That requires resting in God, having patience and knowing that God is working on your behalf. I'm going to read. <clears throat> Uh, testimony. A lot of you are probably familiar with it. It's uh, Franklin Graham, and this is on his website. <clears throat> are you, you all familiar with Franklin Graham? Yeah. And he was kind of a, a mixed up at one point in his life, yeah. and if anybody should have had uh, reason to, you know, be a perfect child, right? Should have been Franklin Graham. We know he had a praying mother. He had a father that preached the gospel, so he shouldn't have been lacking in any way. <clears throat> he said, I believed in God. I just didn't want Jesus running my life. How many teenagers have said that? Our 20-year-olds. <laughs> I wanted to run my own life, but I was miserable, Franklin Graham shared. As a teen, Franklin was sent to an alternative school in New York. Well, you know why? Why? What that means, (laughs) when you're sent to an alternative school, it means that you are having problems. He was later kicked out. (laughs) Smoking, drinking, and defying authority soon became his norm. So his parents probably, if they're like any other parents, were probably tempted to be discouraged and be very uh, disheartened uh, and very heartbroken I took pride in my individuality and tried to see how far I could stretch rules before getting reprimanded. But living by his own standards proved to be unfulfilling. The more I tried to, f- tried to fill my life with things I thought would make me happy, the more empty I felt inside, Franklin said while preaching the gospel in Thailand in November uh, 2013. Despite his father Billy Graham's dedication to a life of ministry, Franklin knew that wouldn't get him to heaven. Eventually, he got tired of running from God and gave his life to Christ at age 22. Isn't that wonderful? So from whatever age he started rebelling, it took him to age 22. And I'm sure those were years difficult years for his family. I realized for the first time at age 22, for the first time, that sin had control over my life. Franklin Graham was not in charge, but sin was. And there was absolutely nothing I could do in my own power to overcome it. Suddenly, I had an overpowering conviction that I needed to get my life right with God. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. My years of running and rebellion had ended. It was finished. See, what happened in Franklin Graham was a spiritual occurrence. And a lot of times as parents, we try to, we try to get things to happen on the outside. We try to get people, kids, to change their behavior or try to change their attitude. When what needs to happen is a spiritual occurrence, and that's where our prayers really need to be, that, that what occurs in them is a spiritual change, that the Holy Spirit would convict them of sin, that the Holy Spirit would draw them unto him. Um, I knew of a young man. I didn't know him personally, but I knew his parents pretty well wonderful parents, sweet parents, Christian parents, just awesome parents, and and the guy, I mean, he was in his 20s, just totally and completely rebellious, using drugs, using alcohol, covered with tattoos, covered with piercings, and his parents just were heartbroken, you know? Um, but we all prayed, I mean, we kept praying, we kept praying and kept praying, and he came to a point where he um, turned to the Lord, And now he's a worship leader. So you can't, you can't ever give up. You can't ever give up. And you can't ever think, you know, if they don't turn by 15 or 18 or 20 or 50, you know that it's all over because it's not. Don't ever give up. Which leads to my next point. Keep your faith in God. Don't be discouraged by the circumstances. Um, don't be anxious. Just keep your faith in God. He will answer your prayers. He will answer your prayers. Let's go to Joshua, Joshua 1, verse 7. Joshua 1, verse 7. It says, be strong and very courageous. And parenting requires this probably more than any, any other thing. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything in it. And I just encourage you, um, as a parent, to uh, as you meditate on the word of God, speak the word of God. Don't be going around saying my son or my daughter is a loser. He's a th- this or that or the- he's rebellious. He's a, you know, no good, blah, 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 blah. Whatever word you want to describe your child. Speak the word of God over them. You know, speak faith over them. Say what you are believing God that they are. Um, let your faith come out of your mouth for your child. Um, verse nine, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Don't be afraid for your children. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. <clears throat> for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So don't be fearful about what's going to happen to your children. Uh, put your trust in the Lord. Surrender your children to them, to to the Lord He is sufficient to take care of them. He will take care of them. Which leads to my next point. Five, surrender and dedicate your children to the Lord and pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pour out your heartache to the Lord. And we all know children can cause heartache. Pour that out to the Lord. And something that is really good is just get a gang of prayer warriors to pray with you because you need that. You need that prayer support. Let's go to James 5, verse 13. James 5, verse 13. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let him pray. You know, parents suffer a lot. Parents suffer a lot. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And I want you to I want you to think about that. Pray for your children that their sins would be forgiven. Uh, don't hold their sins against them. Pray that their sins would be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now this, I want you to really get the, this, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen. And this is true for you and your prayers for your children. Your effective, fervent prayers avail much. So when you're praying for your kids... Your, your prayers are going to be strong. I know they are. Your prayers are going to be fervent. They're going to be strong and they will get results. Now I'm going to tell you a story of, about a lady who prayed for her son. Have any of you heard of Hudson Taylor? Hudson Taylor was a very, very famous missionary um, in China in, um, in the 1800s. So I'm going to tell you his story. Um, I'm going to start this uh, about the power of prayer, praying for your children. I'm going to start with his parents. James and um, James and Amelia Taylor were dedicated Christians. James was a shop owner and a pharmacist in Barnsley, England. James's gift for preaching had been identified, and he was set apart by uh, as a lay preacher, charged to give sermons each Lord's Day. So he was a shop owner who was a pharmacist, and he preached on Sundays. Six days a week, he were committed to the healing of bodies as a pharmacist, and the seventh to the healing of souls. It was just 13 months after they got married that they were joined by their first child, Hudson, in 1832, long time ago. Almost 100 years ago. No, almost 200 years ago. <laughs> Hudson's parents had dedicated him to the Lord before his birth, giving him to the ministry and especially to mission work in China. Hudson learned this information only after he had already taken up the work. Um, James and Amelia consistently led their children in family worship, reading the Bible, praying, and singing hymns together. So it sounds like they're pretty good parents, don't you think? When Hudson was 15, his father determined it was time for the boy to gain a wider experience of life. Hudson took up employment in a bank, and it was in this environment that he first encountered people who openly mocked the Christian faith. And all, all of our kids are going to deal with this, right? He soon joined them in scoffing and swearing. The job also opened his eyes to wealth and to those who lived in lived to accumulate and enjoy it. He found himself drawn to money and to the pleasures it could afford. His spiritual life began to languish and he lost interest in prayer and in reading the Bible. When weakening eyes eventually forced him to resign, he returned to his father's shop in a state of deep spiritual crisis. These were difficult days as Hudson, now 17, found himself despondent and short-tempered, inwardly and at times outwardly rebelling against his father. Doesn't sound too good, does it? No. Amelia intervened because she understood Hudson in a way James did not and perhaps could not. She redoubled her efforts to be kind, gentle, and patient toward him. See, she's taken out all the tools in her toolbox like I talked about earlier She spoke to him, of course, and counseled him, but also became convinced that the best thing she could do for her son was to commit him to prayer. During a short holiday that took her away from the family home, she felt compelled to increase the length and earnestness of her prayers. One day that that compulsion grew to such a degree that she determined to pray for her son until she came to a sense of assurance that God would save him. She locked herself in her room and for hours pleaded that God would extend mercy to Hudson. And then all of a sudden, she believed that God had answered her prayer. Her heart turned from pleading to praise and she worshiped God that he had indeed saved Hudson. Have you ever been in prayer and that you know, you know that you're done? <laughs> you know that you've received what you prayed for. Meanwhile, Hudson had been at home. Bored and discontent, he began looking for something to do. He wandered into his father's library, and though he pulled book after book from the shelf, found nothing of interest. Finally, he spotted a tract titled, Poor Richard. He read the story, then came to the simple words, The Finished Work of Christ. And that very moment, Hudson understood that Christ had done all that was necessary for salvation. And the only right response was to accept that work by faith. Right there, he fell to his knees and committed his life to the Lord, promising to serve him forever. He soon learned that as he was on his knees praising God for his salvation, his mother was doing the very same thing, though though many miles away. Isn't that awesome? Taylor's life, Hudson Taylor's life, was forever transformed. He soon committed his life to missionary work, trained as a doctor, began to preach, and at last departed for China in 1853. Hudson Taylor would spend 51 years in China. Hundreds of missionaries would follow him to China, and thousands of Chinese would come to know Christ. And his story cannot be told without giving due credit to the power of a praying mom. Even when raised in a godly home with a loving mother, some children may be dragged away from God into the sinful desires of the world. But no matter how far your children stray, no matter the circumstances, you must not succumb to despair. You can pray like Amelia prayed. You may not receive such a clear and remarkable answer to your prayer, but as you plead for your children before a sovereign God, as you cry out in faith to him, you can trust that there will be a day when your tears of mourning will turn to tears of joy. Amen. And that story is on a a website. Um, It's called Christian Men and Their Godly Monk. Christian men and their godly moms. And I thought that was really neat. There's other stories on there too. Christian men and their godly moms. So um, I want you all, everybody listening, if you're a mom or a dad, to not be discouraged. Not be discouraged. Don't compare yourself with other moms. There's nobody that's perfect. Continue to pray. Continue to trust in the Lord. He is working, he is working, he's working. And this very thing that that we deal with as parents, God has been dealing with ever since he created humans. (laughs) So he's so experienced, (laughs) he knows what to do. (laughs) He knows what to do. And I want you to know, I have seen God do mighty, mighty things in families. And you need to trust God that he'll work in your family too. Amen. Amen. So I just want uh, I just, as we close, I'm going to pray for your family. And I also want to, um, if you uh, have been one of those people that your mama has been praying for you, I want to encourage you to uh, make a decision today to call upon the name of the Lord, to turn your life to the Lord because he loves you so much And he just wants to, he wants to wrap you up in his arms and he wants to love you. He wants to give you a better life. He wants to give you a life that is just whole and satisfying. And I just encourage you to uh, confess your sins to the Lord and just to call upon the name of the Lord today. And Father, I just lift up all the families that are here today and the families that are listening. And Father, those uh, mothers that their hearts have just been broken over the years and they're, they're just hurting so much for their children and they want their children to be, uh, fulfill the call that you have on their life, Lord God, and be all that you want them to be. Father, I ask that you would soothe the broken hearts of the mothers, Lord, that you would, you would bind up their wounds, Lord God, that you would just, you would encourage them and fill them with joy and hope today, Lord. And, Father, for the children, we ask that your Holy Spirit would draw them, that your Holy Spirit would bring every word of God that's been spoken and implanted in their heart, that you would bring that to their remembrance. We tear down any spiritual blindness that's on their eyes in Jesus' name. And, Father, we ask that you bring perfect laborers across their path to share your gospel with them. We ask that you give them divine appointments, Lord God, That you give the children, the the children, the teens, the grown grown children, Lord God, that you give them visions and dreams, Lord God, that you would you would you would harass them and and aggravate them and and just just be on their back, Lord God, until they turn their life over to you. And we just trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're all done. Happy Mother's Day.